0: Today's scripture reading comes from John chapter 5, verses 30 through 42. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: As we're going through the gospel according to John, there's been seven conversations between Jesus uh, and the Jews. In between the seven conversations, Jesus has been doing miracles um, or miraculous works or signs, uh, as in the healing of the crippled man, John 5, the feeding of the 5,000, John 6, and healing of the man born blind, John 9. And along with those good works, he's made seven claims Uh, like in I am the bread of life, uh, I am the light of the world, and I am the good shepherd, which we've been covering in John 10. Here, John concludes all those claims and all those works. And he concludes all those claims and works with the ultimate claim in verse 30. I and the Father are one. So Jesus is making a very big statement. So as quickly as he's made that statement, the Jews picked up the stones again. Uh, it's probably, it's not the first time. To stone Jesus to death. it's a mob execution. And what he does is he slows him down and says, he responds by saying in verse 32, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? Jesus is asking, on what basis are you making a judgment of me? How can you decide, how can you decide if Jesus is to be stoned or believed? First, there is this one wrong belief that defeats every other belief. Let's go into that. The Jews respond, verse 33, it is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a man, make yourself God. Blasphemy. The Jews believed in God's nature as creator and perfect, and human nature as uh, created, sinful, and imperfect. And Jesus is saying, I and the Father are one. Jesus, him saying, I and the Father are one, was dishonoring and irreverent towards God. So in a society and religion of honor, dishonoring or insulting or being irreverent to the divine, that's blasphemy that's punishable by death and here by stoning. But there's a deeper problem than that. The Jews supposed or presupposed that Jesus is a man. They knew his mom and dad. And here's what a presupposition is. One, there's a belief that precedes all other beliefs. Two, it's a belief that governs other beliefs. And three, it is the most fundamental commitment commitment of the heart. The commitment of the heart of presupposition is Jesus is a man. That's A. If A is true, Jesus is a man, then B cannot be true. I and the Father cannot be one, verse 30. A, being true, defeats the possibility of B. Jesus is simply a man. That defeats the possibility of him being one with God, having the same nature as God. A is a defeater belief or a defeater presupposition, of anything else that comes afterwards. See, there are plenty of defeater beliefs. If science is true, then miracles are not true. Then Jesus' miracles must be, can be, must be explained, which means that Jesus is not God. Or how about another one? If dinosaurs create, then the creation account of the Bible cannot be true. The Bible is with error, and the Bible's claim on Jesus' identity is no good anymore. Jesus is not God. So the Jews' presupposed belief about Jesus as a man defeated all of Jesus' words, all of his works, any of the witnesses. Their wrong belief about Jesus defeats true faith in him. So Jesus tells them three ways to decide about him. Here's the real outline. The word, the work, the witness. Let's go to the first one. The word, Jesus stops the ma- mob execution with a short Bible lesson. So before, if you ever want to, if you're accidentally walking into a fight, stop, have Bible study. He says he starts the discussion on something that both he and the Jews agree on. It's scripture, the word of God. He says, is it not written in your law, law? That's referring to the whole of scripture. It's shorthand. It's a quick way of referring to it. He says, Didn't God say, I said, you are God"? God is speaking to judge leaders in Psalm 82. He's referring them to you are God's because the word of God came to them. And since calling a human being a God is not something that the Jews are really used to, Jesus adds this little phrase and scripture cannot be broken. Meaning, scripture is a whole. And as a whole, it's true. You can't take parts of it as true and the other parts of it to be false. It makes the whole thing broken. Jesus is arguing, let's begin at the one place scripture. Come over to the way I see it. And let's see where that goes. Let's begin at scripture as true. And as scripture provides the possibility of man being called like a god then why are you quick to judge me with you are blasphemy see the word is the basis for making a decision about jesus there's no other way to find out about jesus when jesus says verse 34 is it not written in your law he's not meaning that the about rules and regulations no what he's talking about like a speed limit no He's saying scripture, like a law, has authority. Authority. Scripture speaks as an authority, yes, through rules, covenants, uh, instructions, prophecies, instructions through historic accounts, wisdom, poetry, and the worship of God. All of it is to actually, for faith in God, to submit to God, to his authority. Historically, the church has held on to scripture as authoritative and without error for 1700 years. But enlightenment beliefs, with man as authoritative and the determiner of truth, we began to question the veracity of scripture. Is it true? So the the theater belief is that scripture is a man-made document. I took a class on that at Brandeis University. Scripture is a man-made document. Man has made himself like God and denied the truth of Scripture to end up denying Jesus being one with the Father. Then, at most what Scripture says about Jesus is uh, he's a perfect man who's so perfect that he was able to mediate between God and man. That's the most you can get. American individualism t- just takes that to the next level one step further to say, we all determine truth for ourselves. We say, you may have heard somebody say, well, that's my truth. Hence, no one can speak into your life. You'll never change. And how, what a terrible life that would be. The way, even the way the church teaches the Bible may lessen its authority. The church sometimes interprets the Bible as disconnected truths. Some wisdom here, some comfort there, some good morals, good life lessons. That's the way that sometimes kids are taught. We compartmentalize all these things as though that they're disconnected. We break the scriptures by reading scripture as truths broken up into these things. And I paraphrase an author I read recently. If you read the Bible as some disconnected set of truths, then some will conclude that this is just just sentimentality it's hokey it's old school and roll their eyes in unbelief see the word becomes no longer a law authority see what you got to do is this you got to let the unbreakable scripture to break into your life and to break you that's what you have to do before coming here i got to serve college students who are figuring out after they leave their family and their home church where they grew up They're trying to figure out life. One regular struggle, and I went through this, is, is the Bible reliable? Is the Bible reliable? So there's a lot of discussion among freshmen and sophomores. What can you learn from other freshmen and sophomores? But that's all you got. It's a flurry of discussions. And after discussing that and possibly coming to the right conclusion of the Bible's reliability, there's one commitment that every growing Christian, now, if you're not a growing Christian, this doesn't didn't apply to them, but every growing Christian student had to have made at one point in time. Scripture must be the authority and truth over my feelings and situation. Otherwise, it doesn't help you. My feelings, how I feel, my situation becomes the authority. Then you're up breaking scripture, no. Scripture, the unbreakable Scripture, has to break you. Edmund Clowney, professor at Westminster Seminary, said this. There are, in the end, only two ways to read the Bible. Is it basically about me or basically about Jesus? Is the word basically about me being a God or God-like or jesus being God. Here's the news you can use. Scripture as a whole is focused on Jesus, whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world. Isn't that what the passage says? Scripture must be read as one overarching story, as God redeeming His people ultimately through the sending of the Son. Isn't that what John 1:14 says? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is not claiming that he's a man making himself to be God that's blasphemy no Jesus is saying I am claiming that I am God having been made into man that's not blasphemy I am God not because the word of God came to me like one of your leaders no I am the word to the leaders see here's what would this is what here's what would help read the word read the word the word wants to be read to get you to the living word, Jesus, and then you submit to it. Try it. Change your life. Submit to the word's authority to see if Jesus is just a man or the son of God. Submitting to the word is the first basis of properly rejecting or believing in Jesus. we got to go to the second basis, the works. To the Jews who are already ready to stone Jesus to death, Jesus invites them one more time it's an invitation one more time to look at his work you'll see it in verse 37 if i am not doing the works of my father then don't believe me don't believe me but if i do the works of my father even though you do not believe me believe the works so that you know and understand that the father is in me and i am in the father and verse 32 He says, I have shown you many good works from the Father. What are the works of the Father? Pastor Joe last week listed some. I'm going to share with you two. John 2, Jesus did the work of the Father by cleansing the temple of religion gone bad. Take these things away. Do not make my Father's house a house of trade. John 5, Jesus healed a man crippled for 38 years on the Sabbath and said, My Father is working until now, and I am working. Jesus invites them to believe or not the works that He is doing is from the Father. Are these works the works of a madman, a man sinner, or from God? The man born blind, uh, that's recorded in John 9, he was healed by Jesus on the Sabbath. Even he challenges the Jewish leaders to believe or not Jesus' work. John nine, the Pharisees again asked the man born blind how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. I see, do you see the defeater belief? If you don't keep the Sabbath, you can't be from God. I continue, but others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs. And there was a division among them. So he said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. The blind man is getting there, isn't he? But he knows at least one thing. This work has to be from God. Jesus' invitation is to believe the works. Why? Not just to, believing the works doesn't make you a Christian. No. Says, believe the works, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Knowing, this is what knowing means: recognizing God is God the very first time you heard it. You to know Him. Is Jesus God? It is not that believing in miracles automatically makes you that Christian. The works are a sign to who Jesus is, His identity, and the word "understand" is. According to one commentator, it means continual growth in knowing. See, that's for the believer. That's for the believer. You say you know Jesus as God, but are you continually growing in knowing God? Are you understanding? I quote Sinclair Ferguson, there are places in our quest in the Christian life for understanding where we reach the limits of the human mind. The finite does not have the capacity fully to grasp and understand the infinite. What is he saying? He said, just when you think out of our own capability that we understood Jesus, man, you got a long way to go. <laughs> There's so much more to know about the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father is in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father. That means that every good work in the Bible and all the good work that Jesus is doing in the Christian life is for us to continually grow in our understanding of God the Father's provision, rescue, love, forgiveness, Him being our Father, we being our children. See, here's the problem. That even Christians, we don't trust in Jesus' work. And when we don't trust in Jesus' work, our view of him diminishes. Case in point, for the last few weeks, I've had to work on both cars for the smoke check. Smoke check. Every two years. I don't know why I thought I'm going to fly through this. No problem. Both cars, the check engine light is on. So I was like, oh, there's a steep learning curve. It's not the replacing of parts, trying to figure out what that means. What does the light mean? And I'm like struggling. And part of the thing is after you, you know, turn that light off, you have to drive the car a certain way so that you know, all the tests that the car goes through, it has to go through it. And so here I am driving on 580, 9 o'clock at night, day af- night after night, trying to go through that cycle. And I do it wrong. And if you do it wrong, you got to do it the next day. So I'm desperate, desperate. And it's raining too. I'm desperate. And by the way, one part of the thing is you have to drive, and you can't hit the brakes. you got to slow down on your own, which means you have to find the correct exit. <laughs> I'm desperate. So I pray, Father, I need your help to resolve this. By the way, not to worry. Both cars shall pass. <laughs> shall pass. One car did the other one will surely follow. But because after that prayer, I pressed on with the repairs, lots of YouTube videos, lots of driving. But as I near the end of that process, after saying a brief thank you, Jesus, I noticed myself thinking like this, and I do this all the time, do this all the time. I got it done. That's what enters in. I got it done. I just had to keep on working at it. Look at enough YouTube tutorials, order the correct parts, return for the wrong parts to Amazon. Keep on thinking. That's what I think. See, instead of trusting God's work, I'm really trusting in my work. And when I make that mistake, instead of honoring God as God, it's honoring myself as the Godlike mechanic that I am. That's actually true. But if we trust in the work of Jesus, that's when we will know and understand. And I'm gonna quote Jonathan Edwards, translated by John Piper, that in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, that he is in the Father, and the Father is in him, and the two are one. The prophets of old would have been stunned, speechless to hear Jesus say to Philip, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? See Jesus' work and then be amazed to the next level of who Jesus is. And I pray that you hear Jesus' invitation. Let the authority of the word speak into your life. Look at his works and let the works, the miracles, the restoration of wrongs, wrongs be made right, all the shepherding of the good shepherd, him being the light of the world the manna from heaven, all of it, to know and understand that the Son and the Father are one. See, that's the second thing we gotta do. Second basis of properly rejecting, stoning, or believing Jesus is God. We gotta go to the third thing, the witness. The Jews sought to arrest Jesus. You'll see it in verse 39. Jesus escapes by crossing the Jordan River back to where John the Baptist was ministering. Um, It's where John the Baptist called people to repentance and faith. And he asked them to make a public declaration of that faith in the coming Messiah by baptism. And this is where Jesus got baptized. All this to prepare them for the Messiah. And John 1 records John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And here it goes, verse 32. And John bore witness. Witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on Jesus. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. I'm going to continue. You've got to pay attention to this. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Why do you think all these people came to Jesus and they believed in him? Look at what the Je- witness did. John the Baptist's witnesses, verse 41 says, many came to Jesus because of his witness and they responded differently than the Jews in the city. It's not that people in the rural parts of the jo- next to the Jordan River were uneducated. No, it's because they heard the witness and they believed. They say John did no signs. Look, look at the passage. John did no signs. But everything John said about this man was true. John did no miracles, no amazing works of God. He had no flair or panache, no branding strategy, no demonstrations of personal power. John was not about John. Mm -mm. John was a witness, a witness to Jesus. See, John was a witness and prophet representing all, all the prophets who came came before him. I'm going to read for you John, Matthew 11. Here's Jesus describing John the Baptist. Jesus says to the crowd of who John the Baptist is, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, accept the witness. He is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears, let him hear. What is he see? John, though recorded in the New Testament, John the Baptist, he's the last of the Old Testament prophets. What does that mean? He was representing all the prophets who ever came before him. And in fact, he was representing the law. What does that mean? That everything is a witness to who? Jesus. Jesus that's what we must do that's how we must hear the witnesses read the word listen to the prophets as witnesses the prophets are not just calling Israel repeatedly you're a sinner God's going to destroy you they're not just saying oh there's a future promised hope they're not just saying that but through the prophets God is revealing the character the person the work of one who is from the father that the father is in him and he is in the father, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You gotta hear Jesus in the witness of the prophet Isaiah. When you read the witnessing of the prophets in the word, you'll see everything about this man, this Jesus was true. See, us practical people, <clears throat> we're going to say, well, who you seeing is believing. But see, seeing the works is not the only way to believe. Remember, Thomas doubted. And Jesus says to Thomas, look, put your finger here. See my hands. Put out your hand. Place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but Believe. Thomas answered, my Lord and my God, Jesus says to them, have you believed because you have seen me, seen the works, heard the word? Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet you have believed that he is God, that you will believe the witnesses. Believe the witnesses. How can you believe without seeing Jesus, even Jesus' work? See, you've got to believe the witnesses of scripture. The other thing, believe the elders of the church. Would you believe me? Look, I, got, I don't have power. You know, I don't have power. I don't have charm or charisma. I don't. You know, I go to Kaiser Hospital in Walnut Creek. I don't go into room 2047 and, and using, my, using the power of the forces, illness be gone. I don't have that power. No flair of panache. But what am I? Witness, witness, it's not about me. Your parents, do they have flair panache? Not anymore, you, don't, you know. <laughs> do they, you know, they're getting old. They don't have the energy. But we're hoping that they would be what? Witnesses. Witnesses to who? Not to them, but to Jesus. See, they saw Just like the disciples, what did they see? What were they witnessed to? They saw the living word. They considered the works of Jesus. And they saw Jesus several weeks later, not even, that Jesus did not escape the Jews' hands. He would turn himself in. They did not just pick up stones to throw, no, no. took some nails to keep him hanging on the cross that is jesus's ultimate work when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last he said truly this man was the son of god the unbreakable word was broken when you believe in him yeah when you believe in him You become united with him so that sinful man can be with God. you got to ask, how can that be? How can that be? How can sinful man be with God? I quote John Owen, by nature, since the entrance of sin, no man has any communion with God. You can't be one with God. He is light, we are darkness. And what communion has light with darkness? He is life, we are dead. He is love, and we are enmity. And what agreement can there be between us? It would be blasphemy to think that sinful men can be one with God. Why? We only deserve death and separation. But Jesus, what is he charged with? He's charged with blasphemy and put to death so that those who are guilty of blasphemy would, as John 17 says, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. We get to commune with a triune God. That's good news and that's exactly what we're gonna do here. Believer in Jesus, forget your defeated beliefs. Run to him, go to the word, see his work, listen to the witness, non-believer, One final invitation, drop the stones, go to Jesus, read the word, submit to that authority, look at his works, listen to the witness. Let's pray, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus, his body broken, his blood spilled, and through him, we want to commune with you. Holy Spirit, would you do that thing that I cannot do? Convince us to make the right decision with your word, with your works, with all the witnesses. Holy Spirit, would you help us to make the jump, make the jump from defeater beliefs to belief in you as one with the Father, we thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, bless us even as we commune with you now. In Jesus' name.